everyone, and welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games you could take with you. I'm your host, Chase Kenneke. Today's show is on PAX East 2020, and that, of course, means my guest is Matt Jaguer. Hi, Matt. Hi, Chase. It's good to have you back. It's been yeah. probably not that long, but <laughs> always always good to have you back. We, did, we had you on two episodes ago for, for um, Tokyo... Monster. Attack of the Friday Monsters. Thank you. Appreciate it. A Tokyo, a Tokyo Tale. Tokyo's a in Tokyo there. Tokyo Tale. Yeah, you were close. You were close. Uh, man, uh, I liked that game, and I'm sad I that forgot the name game. of it. That was a fun game. Uh, but yeah, we're here talking about PAX East 2020, which uh, mm-hmm. at the time that we're recording it was last weekend, and mm-hmm. you were there. Uh, mm-hmm. I unfortunately had to miss it again. Uh, Damn. Because of new job stuff because of potential uh life-threatening viruses stuff you know the usual (laughs) same old Um, same old but but you were there and we've done this the last few years uh, at least the the years that i haven't been able to go we've had you come on and give us a little recap of what you played at the show what you saw at the show just how you felt about the show in general and uh we're gonna do that again this year so matt just starting off uh, we probably should just talk about like there is a there's the coronavirus going on right now in the United States. We had mm-hmm. um, a show that was very close to PAX East, GDC, uh, got canceled and post or postponed, postponed depending on now. who you, depending on who you ask. Yeah, um, for now it's postponed officially. But, right, you know, officially postponed. Check back in a month um, and we'll find out. You have uh, Los Angeles declaring a state of emergency over coronavirus, and who knows where that puts... I think that was uh, San Francisco. Was it San Francisco? I thought yeah. it was LA, because that was... Uh, they sure were... it was San Francisco. Either way, like, it's San Francisco, Seattle, Washington has now been affected. There is a case in uh, Boston, Massachusetts from a student who had, was in Wuhan and is still in, like, kind of a self-quarantine uh, situation, is doing fine. Sure. Uh, and then and then dumbasses in New Hampshire that went over to Vermont when they were told to stay isolated and then the tested positive. But that's neither here nor there. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, the general vibe at PAX, uh, as you probably heard, Sony backed out kind of the last minute, like the week before they announced they're, they're going to They're have... doing that a lot these days, yeah, <laughs> not just for I think Corona. This is a, yeah, I think this is a legit, like, because... Yeah, definitely. For them, they were going to have Last of Us 2, Final Fantasy VII demo, uh, they announced that like two weeks before the show was about to start. And then a week later, before the show was about to start, they backed out, which was kind of, mm, uh, I understand why, obviously, but that, you know, sense of doing it just a week before kind of was like, uh, yeah, okay. It's a uh, but it, it was probably for mostly the international travel because PAX, while it is a big show, it is not that much of an international show. There are people from the, you know, uh, uh, Kamiya was there from Platinum, for example, you know, sure. showing off Wonderful 101 for the uh, new re-release, uh, for example. But uh, mostly it stays like a regional kind of show. The attendance is usually 80,000, which is like a fraction of what like Disney World gets in a day. Uh, that's And that's over the entire weekend. But uh, like the general vibe, there were a lot of people with masks on, uh, whether it was for a cosplay or not. Uh, mm. They were a lot of uh, hand sanitizer stations, pretty much same as always, like at all the elevators and escalators at uh, most of the entrances in pretty much all the uh, uh, bathrooms as well, too. The bathrooms are actually kind of clean for most of the, the <laughs> time there, which is kind of a miracle. And you also had people wiping down constantly the escalator bar that would, you know, someone would just stand at the bottom and just like hold either like a Clorox wipe or some spray bleach with a paper towel and keep constantly wiping it down. 
And that kind of was pretty much the general vibe. Obviously, a lot of people also on the expo floor had a lot of hand sanitizers at their stations. A lot of people sure. had their own. Uh, constantly washing your hands, not touching your face. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of uh, activity at the uh, VR free play stations. There oh, were still people yeah. always playing it, but sure. I'm pretty sure they were definitely, you know, uh, I heard on the bombcast somebody said, like, uh, everything but soak those in bleach or on like the beast gas or something like that they did everything but soak them in purel and uh yeah yeah, that that was kind of like not many people freaking out uh obviously i'm kind of just monitoring myself i was sick before i went to pax with a cold so (laughs) honestly like i'm I'm glad that happens before than after a convention especially kind of this year but you know i'm still it's in the back of my head like you don't know so you know it it is what it is uh but it uh, Overall, the packs kind of went smoothly. Like, I know Square Enix uh, lessened their presence. They were going to have a big uh, main theater show about Final Fantasy XIV, the artwork and everything. That got uh, canceled because the developers and artists that were coming from Japan decided to stay home. Probably, you know. Sure. You know, because that made the most sense. Because, uh, again, the travel is probably what is what are on most people's minds. Yeah, uh, I, but yeah, that it was pretty. Uh, still, kind of the same. Uh, Thursday was very chill. Friday again, very chill. Saturday was still packed, and Sunday, same kind of vibes. Like that half packed, half very desolate at the very end kind of right. feel on the expo floor. Well, good. I mean, I'm glad things continued to to go on. That there was still a show. It sounded like from from the list that you sent me of the games that you played and the panels you attended, it seemed like it was a very full and meaningful show and you yeah, still got a lot I'm out of it. I'm surprised how many Switch games I actually played or games that will be coming to Switch, I should yeah, say. Yeah. Perfect. Well, I'm I'm excited to hear about them. So let's just uh let's start jumping in and I believe the first one on your list here is a game I'm very excited about mm-hmm. that uh also maybe uh when we're talking about deadly viruses uh, <laughs> um, somewhat appropriate. Why don't you tell me a little bit more about Carrion? Carry on, yeah. This is uh, coming out from Phobia Game Studios, the developers, and this is from uh, publisher Devolver Digital. They had a big booth there this year, and uh, yeah, there was always uh, was one of the other games they had. They had uh, Disc Rooms. I didn't get a chance to play that, but that looked interesting and more of like a Dodge Blades mm-hmm. kind of uh, top-down thing. Uh, and they also had House of the Gun Dead playable there, uh, but that always had a line. Unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to play it, but I did have a chance to play one of my most anticipated games this year, Carry On, which, uh, as you said, you play this mass of skithering horror it's like just a massive blob of flesh and tentacles that Mm -hmm. uh the the most i can liken it to is a game like super mega worm that was on ios back in the day Uh, i don't think you can play it more anymore maybe you can uh it's hard to tell nowadays without actually going to my phone but right in that game it was like rampage you play the bad guy and you are a worm trying to cause as much chaos and eat as many people this is the same kind of thing except you're a creature inside this base and it plays a little more like a metroidvania yeah Uh, you control the character with uh, one of the sticks and pretty much can crawl around anything Uh, and using the right trigger that causes you to grab onto things with your tentacles and then you can whip the stick in the other direction, release the trigger, and it'll throw something. Or you can grab a person and put it close to your body and you start consuming it and growing bigger and becoming more of a threat. Uh, But you do take damage from getting shot at or getting uh, burned alive, which in that case you start screaming and have to run to a pool of water. Uh, It's it's very entertaining, very gory, and a lot of very, like, ghoulish kind of ways. They call it a reverse horror game. And, yeah, uh, yeah, it's kind of 
pretty straightforward. You get it like a in the demo they had, there was a dash button that allowed you to bash through uh, crates and things like that, obstacles that blocked your path before. So there's a bit of that Metroidvania exploration kind of thing going. And uh, a little bit challenging. I died a couple of times and I kind of gave up after that to give the next person in line a chance. Uh, very entertaining, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, no kind of announced release date for the Switch, but it should be coming out this year, according to the website. Totally. It, it looks so rad. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. I mean, Metroidvania is a, a very good call. That's certainly what they're doing. I can also see a lot of Mark and the Ninja in there. Uh, a lot of yeah, a climb, climbing through vents and things like that. And, and uh, with your character, your blob of fleshy mass, whatever, uh, being so vulnerable, uh, like there, there is more of a stealth bent to, to some of that game as well from, from the bits that I've seen. Uh, just so cool. I, I really want to play this. And yeah, it's, glad it's coming uh, out this year. I don't know if it was running on Switch hardware. It was probably running off a PC, so I can't speak to how well it would play on something yeah. like the Switch, but shouldn't be too much of a problem. Sure. Uh, for something like the. For what the were Switch you playing it with? So. Was it a PS4 controller, DualShock? Uh, it was. I think it was with like a Xbox controller, if I okay. wasn't mistaken. Uh, cool. So or it could have been a PS. It's it's hard because they all kind of blend in together nowadays because every controller can be used for. <laughs> Any kind of situation, even like you know, PC, you can use your Switch uh, Pro controller. If right, you want right. To. But, uh, uh, but yeah, Carry On. Hopefully, it comes out this year. Really looking forward to it. Uh, that's probably my most anticipated game uh, that I got to play at the show. Nice. Uh, okay, so your next one is Alien Hominid Invasion. I mm-hmm. I never played the original Alien Hominid, but I, I remember it being. I, I liked I liked the look of it. I just never ended up playing it. But it was like, yeah, it, it feels to me like a game that was one of those original. It probably wasn't like an original Flash game, but it was it was more like this. This is a like a pioneering Flash game that taught people I think that it Flash started games. Started as a Flash game. Oh, I'm sure it started as a Flash game, yeah. and and it and it grew. I, uh, it was on GameCube. It Game came out Cube as like an point, HD right? version to the GameCube, and yeah. then later Xbox uh, Arcade on the 360 and PSN, I think. And that was uh, a side-scrolling shooter, right? Mm-hmm. Kind of, the- kind of like a side-scrolling beam up, but you were an alien that shot things. So it okay. was pretty much like a straightforward, like mas- uh, like masochistic kind of uh, shmup, you know, bullet hell kind of thing that got. Mm-hmm progressively harder as you went along uh yeah i remember playing that on xbox 360 like when they did a re-release of that uh and that was kind of like the game that launched the behemoth uh as like a bigger developer and they would later develop castle crashers they're very big you know they're big big uh release uh this yeah is definitely a reimagining of the first one the uh, graphics are definitely a lot more uh, animation and a lot more fluidity to that uh, and uh, the conceit is instead of being like a move uh, left to right the whole stage and try to get to the end to the end boss, this one there are objectives. Uh, you try to, you know, you can go back and forth between this uh, whole static level, like the one they had was based in a city. And the, uh, pretty much the big enemies were all those uh, agents. They were kind of like big meathead in that behemoth style, blocky kind of. Uh, very animate, uh, mm-hmm. animated kind of uh, style that they do, and then some drones and things like that. So you would go around like uh, the first objective be like collect intel, which was like beat up some certain of kind of uh, like uh, uh, agents that were carrying paperwork, collect all the paper, and then they throw it into a shredder. So you were like destroying alien intel that you had. Sure. Then you would go on to the next one, like save some kids, beat up a bunch of uh, agents and things like that. And then after you complete enough objectives, I think it was like five, then you have to transport yourself back to the mothership where you would gain your experience and accumulate into like points for uh, like new weapons, uh, different abilities. 
And the uh, thing is, like, there's so many different, like, different aliens. I don't know if they have their own abilities or you just customize anyone you want, but you can unlock different colors for the aliens. So there's a bit of that customization as well, too. And then you go to the next level. And uh, the controls they had for the setup for this one, I do remember, it's their usual, like, joystick arcade setup. Uh, you know, it was just pretty much three buttons, jump, shoot, and uh, dodge roll. And, uh, and I think there was a grenade one, too. I'm trying to remember if that was... Uh, yeah, I think that was like fire, jump, shot, and like a special move, I think, as well, okay. too. Okay, sure. But yeah, the, it was a uh, pretty fast pace. Uh, I played on the hardest difficulty they had there just to just try it out quickly. And uh, yeah, I, I think it's a blast to play. Very like arcade style focus, uh, very smooth, and uh, should be coming to all systems. So I would think that would be Switch as well, too, at some point. Mm-hmm. And uh, But they haven't announced a release date. Uh, I will say, I don't remember if this was in the first game, but you can jump onto enemies' backs, like a lot of the agents, and they'll start running around cause, screaming because they oh, have an sure. alien on their back. Mm-hmm. So you can use them as a shield and then shoot around as well, too, and then jump off of them. Uh, there were ones with jetpacks. If you shot them, they go flying out, and you can also jump on them as well to uh, do that. So it definitely feels like an evolution of this uh, sort of game that they started out with way back in the day and bringing it into like a more like fast-paced, modern-day kind of mentality uh, gameplay. Nice. So you were talking about going, not just being the left and right thing, uh, but do these feel more like arenas at this point, or do they still feel like levels? It's just that you can kind of go back and forth in the level. More like arena levels, like there's still variety, like a lot of, uh, you can keep jumping up on buildings, so there's some of that verticality and things like that. You're going to be definitely juggling also enemies in the air as well too, things kind of like that. So it's uh, like, you know, it's an open arena, like you keep going left and right, uh, kind of something like uh, Defender, you know, things like that. Okay. And uh, I did see from a trailer there is co-op. Yep, there will be co-op as well, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did not play co-op, but uh, I did uh, uh, see, like, a lot, like, the, you could have the option to play co-op. Like, the original had a co-op uh, version as well, too. And okay. For this kind of game, it definitely makes sense. Yeah, uh, from what I saw in the trailer, it looks like four-player co-op. And even you mentioned, like, jumping on the agents and being able to do things, but you can also, like, stack the aliens on each other uh so like people can be shooting while other ones are running it it seems it seems like a good fun party time uh Mm. as well as like maybe a a fun challenge if you're playing it solo uh but yeah that looks really cool game Uh, five from the behemoth so the next game you're talking about is one that uh i don't know how you feel about it but you obviously felt that it would have been up my alley because i believe you texted me like hey you should check out this game and yeah. uh, and I did check out that game, and yes, it absolutely is my shit. So tell me more about Star Renegades. It's pretty much uh, this uh, very uh, 2D stylized, uh, almost like a JRPG. Uh, doesn't really have an active time battle. I know you love that that mode, uh, but it has uh, something more along the lines of like Grandia or Final Fantasy X, where you can see the position of where you're when you're attacking versus your opponents, and you can also stagger them and move them back uh, so you can get an extra hit in. Uh, unfortunately, when I played this game, I watched a lot of it because there was a lot of people playing it for it was a fairly lengthy demo and a lot of text to read through and mechanics yeah. to understand. So uh, from what I played, I only got just a little bit, and then I got soft-locked out of an area because I didn't oh, know what no. to do next. So I just gave up at that point. But I was very interested, like mostly because of the style and panel animations with uh, a lot of these enemies. So you're basically playing as this, uh, it's like in a mech suit kind of thing, kind of like out of Edge of Tomorrow, the Tom Cruise movie, mm-hmm. uh, or the uh, uh, like Ripley's Battles uh, uh, loader suit at the end of Aliens uh, kind of thing. 
Uh, and then you face off against this uh, enemy mech team that suddenly lands on this. Uh, and uh, I should say the map is more of like a very zoomed out, almost like it's a tactical map. So it's like a real-time strategy game almost. But all the battles are done sort of turn-based. Uh, the little I played of it, it does look very, very, uh, like, the animation style looks very appealing to me. Yeah. And, like, like, the mech very, designs are really cool. Totally. Like, very nice pixels. Uh, a lot of uh, animation to those pixels. Uh, a lot of, uh, like, special effect-looking stuff. Uh, some very nice lighting that really makes those pixels shine. Uh, I was, I'm very taken by the look of this game. Yeah, uh, there are a few things like the uh, like during dialogue parts you do like you start talking to this robot, which seems uh, the robot seems more animated in its portrait than any of the other characters. They're all very static and just mm. have one look, and they're huge on the screen. So it's kind of like it gets kind of tiring after a while just seeing the same portrait over and over again. But I did uh, like I did enjoy what I played of it, and I just didn't get a hold of the mechanics because the, on the floor, the showroom floor, it's just not as conductive for this kind of game. And I just wanted to get a feel for like, what was the battle system like and things like that. Uh, looks very like, uh, kind of reminded me and that this game was there too this year that I mentioned a uh, phantom brigade, uh, that, uh, very yeah. like almost an RTS, but, uh, you pause the action to take your movement and you move the same time as your enemies. Uh, kind of remind me of that, but this is like clearly different cause it's a turn-based, you know, RPG style, uh, battles. Uh, yeah. So, I'm kind of going to keep my eye out for this one. And I kind of looked at their website since it's coming out to Switch. Uh, yeah. Definitely seems mm-hmm. like it's an early access on PC or uh, it should be coming in early access soon. But uh, yeah, it looks like they've been do- developing this for a while. And yeah, I might be checking it out if it comes to Switch. Cool. Uh, I know you said you only played a little bit of it, so you, you might not have answers to these questions. But is it... I, I can't quite wrap my head around some of it. Like... Um, I see from trailers that I've watched kind of like three distinct mm-hmm. um, settings for stuff. One of them is the the turn-based JRPG part. Uh, mm-hmm. There's another part that looks like you have like a group of four people that are running around some kind of overworld. And, yep. then, and then there's like another thing that looks like a, like a tactics game. I guess that's kind of the part that you were mentioning. And it, and it has like yeah. question marks over enemies. It almost looks like... Um, looks like from that lord of the rings game the the i i did get into that that was like a menu of like different enemies and enemy types so like a posterity of like the different enemy types that you run into and the okay. weaknesses and things like that i didn't dive too deep into it because again i kind of got soft locked out of the game and i was just like i, I think right. i'm done okay time gotcha. on something else kind of thing but yeah the overworld plays out sort of like an rts map where you are moving your characters and it's Kind of like if you played Chrono Trigger, the world map on that, you have yeah. like very, very small sprites for your characters. Mm-hmm. And once you meet more teammates, which I, I did was able to view other people playing you, eventually in that demo ran into other characters that had different abilities and whatnot. And they would follow you on the map. So it's that kind of, if you can, if you ever played Chrono Trigger, it's that kind of style for the overworld map. And then at certain points, you would go through these gates, and that's where the kind of random encounters would happen. Uh, it would happen sometimes going through these gates, and then sometimes not. So I don't know if that's supposedly there's going to be like a random enemy mechanic like a final fantasy game would have back in the day or if it's you know more like controlled like only at these points and maybe it'll happen you fight a battle 
So I'm not entirely sure. Like I said, didn't play that much of the game. I uh, played for like, you know, 15, 20 minutes and then the soft lock happens. Yeah. So it goes at these kind of events. Cool. Well, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to Star Renegades. I've if if it does come to Switch, that's that's like a day one pickup for me because it just it mm-hmm. just looks so damn cool. Um, the next game, man, um, we sure have gotten a lot of Shovel Knight games, haven't we? Yes, we have. This one's very different, though. Uh, but you it's remember very different yeah. from the shovel knight games we have but maybe not very different from other games that are around from what i've no. seen no I, I i'm sure you remember grindstone from last year mm-hmm. on uh, apple arcade uh this is kind of the same way sort of like a drill dozer puzzle game where you are playing shovel knight and all these enemy types are dropping on the board or items like I think there was like some blocks that you know the destroyable blocks in shovel knight or chests and things like that nature. So basically, you go and attack enemies, and uh, if they're like uh, matching ones all surrounding them, and you defeat that enemy, then they all disappear, and then more things fall down, and then you keep trying to attack until the door appears whoa, with the key whoa, whoa. to hang, get out. Hang on, hang on. Uh, we might be talking about two different games. We might be. So there's one game that's called Shovel Knight Dig that looks a lot like SteamWorld Dig, and then there's ah. another game that's called Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Which that's I think is the one I, I think, think that's I'm the one you're talking up. about. That one's more like a puzzle game. I think I'm getting them mixed up. I uh, play Pocket Dungeon. Okay, that's probably why I'm getting mixed up because there's just too much Shovel Knight crap that's out there now. There's a lot of Shovel Knight games. Like I, okay. man, I I love I love Yacht Club uh, Yacht Club games. Uh, I really loved the first Shovel Knight. I have Treasure Trove on my on my uh, Switch, but I have not played same. any of the additional dlcs mm. for shovel knight where you could play as the different plague knight or uh specter knight those kinds of guys um, specter torment's pretty good i i hear they're all say. good and like they really switch up the way shovel knight's played and i should play them and i will play them but they it's it's a lot of it's a lot of shovel knight <laughs> and and even though these are different styles of games dig and pocket dungeon um, it's still a lot of Shovel Knight. Do you do you feel like any Shovel Knight um, fatigue at this point, or were these games different and interesting enough? Uh, but you just played Pocket Dungeon, right? Yeah, I just played Pocket Dungeon. Okay. So just yeah, to correct my notes and uh, my memory, yes, Pocket Dungeon was what I played. Gotcha. Uh, the recently renounced one that is uh, coming soon. Uh, so it's coming out this year, I think. But it's uh, basically yes, it's like a match kind of puzzle game, and uh, I still kind of interested in it and yeah i've still been keeping up with some of the uh shovel knight like that you said i have also have the treasure trove and uh i haven't played king of cards that's the only one i haven't played yet and uh yeah i'm not really fatigued about it uh but this was kind of like i've kind of like played this kind of version of the game before it does add some different things to the table like in uh for example grindstone you carve a path and if you land next to a enemy that was going to attack that's when you take damage in this, every enemy that you attack, they'll attack you back. So you will take damage uh, unless you have like a, a special item or something like that. Uh, I think there's like a shield item that blocks damage for a bit. But if uh, an enemy takes three hits and you have five hits damage, then you can attack them for, you know, three hits and they'll be gone. But you'll have two health left. So you'll have to look around the map and try to find any health that you can pick up, which seems to be plentiful. But I did die a few times. So... Uh, it's pretty straightforward. So it, uh, if it comes out to the Switch, it kind of, like, for a puzzle game like this, makes a lot of sense. Uh, one I'm going to keep an eye out for. Cool. And that's Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. 
Yes, not yes. Shovel Knight Dig. I did yeah. not get to play that one. Dig, Dig looks rad, though. Like, they, they both mm. look cool. Um, so the next game you have here is actually out already. Uh, out on the Switch, if you want to play it on it Switch. Is. But, uh, but yeah, tell me. Uh, so I haven't actually played any of Kunai, but but what are what do you know about Kunai? So I heard a little bit of this on other podcasts, and it's pretty much another 2D side-scrolling adventure game where you play, I think you play this, like, computer screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, wakes up one day, uh, has to, gets a samurai sword katana, and uh, then suddenly you get uh, one kunai, which allows you to travel up uh, walls. It has, like, kind of like a Mega Man X. You can kind of wall skip a bit, but you, this allows you to get higher places, and then immediately you get a second kunai, so you're suddenly, like, swinging around, like... Uh, they're attached to the left and right ZNL uh, triggers, and this was on a playing on a Switch uh, where I was playing it. And uh, yeah, it, it's uh, pretty much like a very fast-paced uh, action 2D platformer game. Uh, that uh, yeah, it was just playing there. Uh, some friends were waiting for uh, Streets of Rage 4, which was a longer line, and I was like, I'll just play this now. It's uh, you know, it's here. Uh, right. Yeah, it, I can't say much more of it because it's kind of pretty straightforward. The ana- the character animations kind of cute. Like if you press down the the face goes into like like one of those anime kitty smiles, uh, uh, closes sure. its eye, and it's like kind of ready to pounce. And uh, you know, it, uh, face goes angry when you get hit or make an attack. And uh, yeah, it's it just uh, connects really well. I might check it out uh, when it's on sale. I think it's like sixteen bucks or something like that on the Switch. Yeah. Uh, so like v- very much like if you're if you're guessing a theme here, there's a lot of two D uh, uh, pixel art things at pax this year i mean i feel like that's every year mm-hmm. <laughs> but there's a lot more so now than kind of ever yeah to be honest. I, I can believe that uh yeah kunai looks cool um on on the other show that i do the casual hour uh, my co-host bobby pease has played it and and really really likes it um i i think it it's got a great look uh yes it's pixel based but it's kind of like a minimal looking uh at least from a color pal- palette standpoint Yes, where yeah, everything's very, kind like, of uh, minimal tone. Yeah, like everything's kind of cream colored, but then like there's there's definitely like red red splashes of red where you can tell like those things are enemies. Uh, your mm-hmm. character kind of has a blue look to it, so it's it's very high contrast and it it makes for uh, just like a really smooth looking and and also a really yeah. smooth playing game. And I it's it. It's pretty cool. It reminds me a lot of uh, a game that came out two-ish years ago, I think, called Flint Hook. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the problem with Flint Hook is they, there were actual uh, places in the level where you could only use your hook shot. You could only use it mm-hmm. on these different hooks that you found around the levels. Whereas Kunai, it seems much more freeform, where you're just yeah, throwing your Kunais on the walls. surfaces I think you can't use them on, but it felt like... Once you get those two kunai, you're just swinging all over the place because yeah. it feels like it feels really nice. Yeah, it seems cool. Like like you said, I might wait for a sale uh, to to pick it up on Switch, but it is something I feel like I will eventually pick up and and play. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't, I honestly don't play a lot of these kinds of games. Like um, I think honestly, and I know you're gonna you're gonna fault me for it and maybe hate me for it, but I think <laughs> I, I think a game like Katana Zero kind of broke me last year of mm. these these 2d action games look really cool and i'm just not good at them and just i'm not having good, fun Chase. playing just yeah good. but i'm not going to get good uh, <laughs> <laughs> so i end up choosing just to to leave them on the shelf uh or the digital shelf this is, definitely is does not seem as hard as katana zero yeah I, I hear the final boss is is kind of an asshole but uh, yeah. the rest of the game seems like it's pretty cool and i'd like to give it a shot 
Um, speaking of cream-colored art styles... Uh, giving it a shot. Colt and giving it a shot. That's nice. Uh, let's bang, talk bang. about some Colt Canyon here. Yes. Uh, out from Retific, uh, it's... Uh, yeah, this is kind of just a top-down, uh, and from what I can gather, procedurally generated uh, top-down shooter, twin-stick shooter, mm-hmm. where... Uh, and, and it's a roguelike. Style, Yep, it's a roguelike. Uh, where you, I'm reading the site uh, right now, and uh, rogue light. Yeah, uh, sure. Game. I can get no corrections on that. Mm. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's pretty much just yeah, top down 2D pixel shooter, kind of in the same uh, art style as like a uh, Super Brothers kind of very blocky with a lot of minimal uh, tones of colors. Very brown. Maybe maybe almost last... yeah. Like I, I appreciate the sepia tone all the way through. Uh, much like an Atari game, if an Atari game had the processing power of like a Super Nintendo. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. I think my real issue with the way the game looks, maybe my only issue with the way get, the game looks, is just the characters are like a solid cream color. Uh, that one on a brown background. Yeah, or? one really blends into the background, but two blends into the other characters too, because the enemies are also the same color. While mm. watching while watching a trailer, I was getting lost of who the player character was at any one time. It honestly um, wasn't that difficult because you okay. stay mostly to the center of the screen uh, during playtime. And there's always like when you are shooting something, you have to keep your, uh, uh, it's like a twin stick shooter, left moves, right shoots the direction. Yeah. You have to keep it in that direction. You can't just flick it and then, oh, it's just going to be in this direction. No, it's always the way your character is facing. So if you're moving to the right uh, and then you want to shoot backwards, you have to keep shooting, you know, holding the uh, right stick in the opposite direction because otherwise you're just going to be shooting forward as you're moving uh so yeah like it it keeps focus on you thanks to the help of the reticle because there's a light uh, dot line that follows where you're going to be shooting and uh basically you get to choose from different characters kind of like in the same style of enter the gungeon they do have different abilities or start with a different weapon one starts with bow and arrow uh the player i uh, character i played as starts with a like a long rifle that is uh, very devastating and yeah you go through levels picking up trying to find your like uh there's some like hostages that you try to find very much like a uh, kind of uh was it like metal slug you know there's like uh, mm-hmm. hostages over here. although these are more infrequent and you get an upgrade once you uh free them sometimes they're in like a uh coffin that you have to blow up with dynamite that you can find and use and uh, once you get them they give you the upgrade and pretty much it's pretty much just straightforward after that just a very i found it pretty appealing and uh might check this out it's saying to be announced q1 for the switch and other consoles okay uh, and also mac uh to be announced uh, no date but sure uh yeah it's just one just caught my eye and uh looked really appealing to me uh but again it's another 2d top-down twin-stick shooter so it's like there's x amount of those in existence yeah. nowadays yeah like what what makes you want to pick up a game like this over a game like nuclear throne or enter mm-hmm. the gungeon or any of those kinds of games that are that are all in that very same vein what what kind of upgrades are you getting to to make each playthrough try, feel different I'm trying to remember i think like ammo upgrades you can uh like you pick up different types of ammo like for guns that you don't have but you can pick up in the level uh, so you can double your ammunition, which helps. You can double your movement speed, I think, and double your health, things like that, like okay. character upgrades. Okay. And then once you die, you have to reset and start over. I don't know if there's anything that carries over, like, uh, uh, was that uh, Rogue Dungeon? or uh, Rogue Legacy. Rogue Legacy, mm-hmm. kind of like that. There's, I don't know if there's much that holds over like that or Dead Cells. Uh, one I'm going to probably check out when it comes closer to the Switch, but 
uh, yeah, it should be coming out soon. Cool. Uh, the next game you have is uh, out right now if you're playing on PC, but it is coming to Switch later. Uh, mm-hmm. Ministry of Broadcast. What's what's up with that? So this is uh, very much like in line with a uh, Prince of Persia. In fact, the developers, the Ministry of Broadcast Studio, uh, cite that as their big influence of this. And yeah, it's pretty much you play as a uh, character in a TV show, a reality TV show, uh, that is, uh, I, best I can describe it as a very like kind of satirical look at 1984 or uh, that kind of dystopian future mm-hmm. where you're always being viewed by CT camera, CTTV cameras and things like that. And yeah, it's uh, a pretty much straightforward platform. You just got to, you wake up and your shoes are gone, your boots. Uh, it, you wake up in like this like military bunker, infantry bunker. And this uh, crow that keeps taunting you through everything, especially when you die, it just lands on you and says, you die, restart. And uh, they, I guess they took your boots, so you got to go find... The first thing you do is go find your boots. And, yeah, the movement is... It's very deliberate. Uh, for example, like, there's a section where you have to run across a lot of uh, gaps in a beam, and if you fall to the ground, you can take so many. At a certain height, you die right away, but right. at certain uh, other elevations, you might be able to survive like you'll hear your your legs crack uh, crack and your character says oh, a couple more of those and i'm finished uh and even in the background it'll have a poster with your uh heart meter uh that gives you how many lives you have left so mm. it's all like a background context kind of thing to go in with this tv show uh that's being broadcasted of you trying to escape this place the story is kind of vague from what i played and uh, kind of like it that way for something i will most likely play and uh, yeah, so there's a lot of puzzles where you have to get out uh, very much like uh, if there's something modern like Limbo or Inside. Uh, for one example, there was a group of characters that once you hit a switch, they would go. So like this one character, Boris, would go and he'd run off somewhere and then would reappear behind the store. So if you looked at the puzzle, they were jumping down to this level that they would just go back into this room and then the next person would go. And what you had to do is uh, uh, on the other side of this long... Uh, uh, corridor that has a gap in the middle of it there's a pit of spikes so to figure out the puzzle you just lower this uh, there's also an elevator lift that covers that gap so you just let the people cross and then they're like stuck in like a sort of comical like hanging off and uh like forming a bridge so then you can run across and uh you know get to the next area uh, and then you run into them again so it's like this very weird kind of surrealistic but there's a lot of uh times when you're going through for example like air ducts and you see other characters or scientists that are in this complex or this uh, tv show and they're talking about just random stuff at the office and sort of a macabre kind of workplace where death is around every corner kind of thing it's very weird and very like i i, I don't know i like this uh, the satire they're building on in the this kind of 1984 but yeah mm-hmm. uh supposed to be coming out april 28th this year nice for the switch well yeah there's a real a lot of mystery to what's really going on with this like you said death is kind of around every corner but also death is kind of meaningless so on one point at one point you're like having people fall into spikes so you can then run across their bodies so you don't get hit by the spikes they seem to be still alive and then then in another in another instance you have an attack dog that chases you and you have to like uh, trick one of the other characters you ran into to be bait mm-hmm. and then you know it, it's like you know little puzzles like that with a lot of platforming so very much like prince of persia right same almost same kind of like deliberate controls and 
uh, art uh, animations for that kind of uh, game. Yeah, a lot like uh, Another World or Flashback mm-hmm. or some yeah, of those kinds of games, too. I was thinking the too. same exact thing. A- um, a- Abe's Odyssey, Abe's Exodus, those mm-hmm. kind of Definitely. puzzle platformers. Uh, so yeah, it looks uh, got a lot of awards for like story and things like that, and like some independent awards from uh, being released recently. So uh, want to check out if you like those kind of games. Totally. But again, another two D art style, <laughs> pixel art art style game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, if you, they look really nice, if you at do, the want, very least, if you do want to see more, Giant Bomb just did a, a quick look on it, so you can go and mm. see maybe about like an hour of of footage of that 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 shows yeah, off played a, a lot I played more about 40 minutes it could have been the same kind of level I yeah played or I, I imagine it's later because it's probably out, pretty close. yeah yeah they, they were playing the pc version so they're playing the full thing but um speaking of kind of depressing ish yeah. uh games uh man this trailer was a real trip for me uh so we're talking about welcome to elk and the trailer kind of starts out and i'm thinking oh is this like this is kind of twee. It's kind of Steven Universe style. Like, ha. like the girl's like so excited to like wake up in her loft bed and then come down and looks in the fridge and goes, "Oh no, so many fish! Uh, I, I don't want to eat fish again." And it's like, okay, this is this is kind of cute. It's got a cute little art style to it. And then, um, then like somebody's like, "Hey, do you want to go grab a beer?" And I'm like, "Oh, okay, that's that's a little bit more mature for for a game that's." kind of like steven universe to me uh and then someone just pulls out a gun and i go oh shit this game is not what i thought it was matt what the fuck is welcome to elk so the, like last day i'm just browsing the uh indie mini booth which is a lot of pop-up single stations and uh come sometimes rotating developers who come to pax and showcase their game and no one was playing this game and it kind of caught my eye just because the art style mm-hmm. of a lot of characters it's a lot of uh, very like thick drawn, very animated characters that are all fully colored, but the backgrounds and points of uh, non-interest are all just black and white, while points of interest are all fully colored. So it's like almost like a incomplete coloring book, sure, almost uh, for the art style. And yeah, it's very much kind of like Night in the Woods in, in a way, like where Night in the Woods was like a platformer that had a narrative focus with a lot of mini games that would come up, you would come across during the narrative. Uh, this kind of has the same kind of vibe, but I think is a lot more heavy in its uh, subject material. Yeah. Uh, the conceit is that these are true stories uh, from people. And the one that they show in the demo is, uh, uh, well, I should start out. The whole thing starts with this kind of dream. You were on a uh, raft with this, I think, a llama. And then uh, your friend, uh, I'm trying to remember who the friend is, because uh, you play as this girl. And I'm, I'm lost. I forget all the character names and everything. Uh, but she this basically she has this dream about her friend dying and uh, they you start singing a song and it's kind of almost like freestyle singing. Uh, you get the face buttons to show up and then you just go with the beat and just do whatever, you know, mm-hmm. make up your own song as you go. And she wakes up and she wants to write this down. She wakes up in that cottage you explain that's very much like Steven Universe. It's kind of almost like a uh, I get it like a Scandinavian feel to this kind of town area mm-hmm. that you play through quickly. And she has all these bottles of stories that she has written down, uh, either from her dreams, I think, or from other people. And uh, while she's about to write her story down, she thinks, oh, I got to go see my friend, the same one that was in the dream. I got to tell him about this dream, who lives in a cave on the other side of the map. So as you go there, you run into these two guys that are from this sort of general store bar area that are arguing. And, you know, one of them has a gun. (laughs) And uh, so they decide to leave. Uh, Like... 
then you go meet your friend. You do a mini game where you put faces on balloons because it's for some party, I guess, for his parents or something like that. It's like a lot of it was kind of a little hard to follow because of the, you know, the noise of the uh, showroom floor. But also the volume was extremely loud in my headphones. So I'm like constantly trying to readjust and take them off a little bit because I couldn't adjust the volume at all. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, I didn't want to like blow my eardrums or anything. And uh, yeah, as you said, you saw the beer pouring. That was also part of the uh, uh, demo that they had there where you go into this general store. There are a bunch of people talking and arguing. And your character says, like, let's have a beer. That always solves things. So she offers to pull you a beer and everybody has a different sort of level they want. Someone like a lot of foam on top. And it gives you an example. So you can use both sticks to like control the tilts and then use the other one to control the tap. And basically you try to line up with like someone wants it all the way to the top or someone wants a little bit ahead or somebody wants like uh, your friend who is very eccentric, just like beer. And it gives you like pretty much just like <laughs> half beer, half foam. And uh, after that, you run into a moment where you can go around the store and talk to people. And the first person I talked to gave up a story that kind of ties into the people you saw outside. And straight up, it's just a story about her husband getting shot in front of her, her and her child. And it's like, I'm like just taken aback because they go through this. It cuts to uh, her husband, herself and her child. And suddenly this guy comes up talking. I think it's about like a loan shark kind of deal, but uh, I'm trying to try to remember the whole story. Is, is that as a, soon as that happens? Hmm? Is that a cutscene, or are you playing this part too? It's it's you're not really playing it, but then it goes into that music part again, where you again you freestyle the music, but it's very more somber. So you're like holding notes uh, and trying to go with the beat, and it ends with the husband getting shot with like a loud bang, and then it goes into a, a live action video of a person explaining the entire story, how this uh, man was shot and killed. Oh, His wow. wife and child were tied up uh, and like the, just the whole sad story. And then the demo ends. Uh, so this, the, the conceit of the game is all these real life stories kind of packaged into a game to kind of like compartmentalize and try to like, uh, almost like it's, I, I don't want to say like therapy, but it's a way to like express uh, like real moments in life. Uh, in a way, and sort of like an interactive sort of video game. Uh, I found it really fascinating, but I needed to, after that, I had to like take a step away from the showroom floor and just yeah. like collect my thoughts because it was like uh, heavy, heavy, heavy stuff. Definitely. Uh, it's, I mean, on one hand, I think it looks really cool from, a, from an art style perspective. Uh, I think that the, um, uh, I think that the gameplay stuff, the mini game stuff that you can get with like the beer pouring and the um, like the face making that you talked about, like that stuff seems really interesting. Uh, but then, yeah, on the other hand, who boy, it just it just gets it just gets really, really, really dark. And uh, there, there's something interesting about that. I want to give it a shot. Uh, so yeah, the next game, uh, Greg, Memories of Ezra. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, but because uh, there's supposed to be like an accent over the G. It's oh, like three dots over or something the G? like that. Yeah, huh? That's interesting. It's weird. Uh, but this is uh, like a, a 2D action platformer that is coming out to the Switch and PC later this year. Yeah, it's uh, got kind of a Celeste look to it. Kinda. Maybe? It's uh, Celeste or Hollow Knight. Uh, yeah. Looked a little more fluid than hollow knight itself but uh the the conceit of this game is not only do you control one character you control multiple characters at the same time or individually oh, uh, you play as, is, so is it kind of like brothers not 
a little like brothers, but you get to like you're not always in control of both of them at the same time unless you choose to. Uh, I'll explain a little bit because okay, the demo please, I played. Please do. <laughs> yeah, the demo I played. Uh, I only got up to using two characters, but apparently you can have three characters at the same time. Uh, they're all siblings. Oh, so it's the Lost Vikings. <laughs> Kinda exactly. Yeah, I thought I, I kind of thought of the same thing too. Uh, but uh, so for this game, it. Uh, uh, kind of like the way it works is when you run into the second character, you get the option to switch between them using the D-pad instead of the analog stick to run and move. Use the D-pad left and right to switch between two characters. Uh, the layout is kind of like a Metroidvania in the same way as like 2D leveled kind of obstacles and uh, parts that you can't get to. Then when you meet up with your second character, oh, you can use switches and things like that. Uh, so when you run to your uh, other sibling, uh, your brother, when you uh, after you run to your sister and take control of her, you meet up and then it tells you like, oh, hold the left trigger and control both characters at the same time. So no matter where they are, say they're separated by a couple of feet, if you hold the mm-hmm. left trigger, you can move them both at the same time, left and right, same kind of thing. If you want to stop that, you release it and you control the main character you were controlling before. And then you use left and right to swap between the characters if you got to fine tune where they are and how they move. Uh, but that also includes like attacking. You attack, they both attack if you're holding down left trigger. And that's how puzzles work. So it's kind of like a co-op game, like Brothers, that you're playing single player. Uh, I don't think as complicated because you're not always controlling both brothers with both analog sticks and getting a little confused uh, by yeah. like your left and right brain, how things work. But uh, yeah, I found it to be kind of like the action part of it is satisfying enough. And the... Uh, uh, the, uh, how should I say the Puzzle? like plat- the platforming is works okay. well enough as well too. Uh, there was a couple of yeah. times where you get one character stuck and you try and move both of them, so you have to readjust and everything. Uh, the uh, sister, for example, instead of having a double jump, if you hold the jump button, she floats kind of like P- Princess Peach in okay. Super Mario Brothers Two, but yeah, slowly descends instead of staying leveled, while the brother has a double jump. And I think there's an older brother that does more of the combat-heavy focus thing because, again, from what I saw, it looks like they have more combos and things like that. It's a very, I don't know, one I'm going to definitely check out because, I don't know, I like the style of the combat. I like that kind of puzzle aspect where you're using multiple characters to try to figure out how things work and everything. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, one I'm definitely going to keep an eye on. Interesting. The art style kind of reminds me, um, it's it's almost like a halfway point between something like Alien Hominid for mm-hmm. like, you can you can tell there's like some flash touches in there with like big, thick black outlines. But then maybe, maybe this is giving it a little too much credit, but maybe like Ori is on the other side where... Kinda, yeah. So it's like somewhere in between that where it's like not quite a flash game because the animation is too nice and it doesn't it just doesn't feel like a flash there's a game. lot of fluidity to the animation they're definitely totally like a lot of like frames of animation so it it looked very nice and yeah kind of yeah. like remind me of hollow knight but more colorful yeah uh well hollow knight gets colorful but still yeah it's sure. you know it's uh, one that looks very interesting i didn't get up to the part where you could play as three characters because it was a time limit demo like you played mm. like 20 minutes or so okay uh but it was fairly popular in the indie mega booth and yeah it's uh one of those Switch exclusive for consoles for the time being. I'm sure it'll come out to Xbox and PS4 at some point, but it's supposed to be later this year with Switch and PC. Cool. Sounds good. Uh, the next game on your list is Samurai Gun 2. Mm-hmm. I never played the first Samurai Gun. I've watched a lot of it be played. Um, my problem is I just don't have 
that dedicated group of people who are coming over to play games all the time. So we just, mm-hmm. I just don't get to play many of these co-op experience or not co-op, uh, these couch, uh, couch competitive games, I guess. Yeah. Um, so did one, did you play the first Samurai Gun? And two, what's different about this one? I did not play the first Samurai Gun, so I okay. can't really speak. Uh, All right. For this one, I did play with uh, some friends. We got a four-player match going for a quick one. This is a uh, double fine producing and uh, being developed by uh, Technopants, all mm-hmm. one word, with a T-E-K, so you know they're cool. Oh, so uh, cool. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty much like a very fast-paced, uh, like almost like uh, one-hit kill, like kind of like Bushido Blade, but very 2D, where you're, everybody's flying around. And yeah. uh, you have like, uh, everyone has like a sword or a melee attack and then gets the ability to either shoot a gun or do a dash attack, uh, but they're limited. So it's like limited ammo and things like that. One hit, you're dead. Uh, but if you both strike at the same time and connect with your swords, that's like a, like a parry almost. So there's a lot of like wall running and frantic nature of this. So uh, I didn't win any of the matches. I suck at it. <laughs> but it's, it's pretty fun. Pretty straightforward uh, kind of action uh, fighting game with a very yeah. again pixel 2d art style sure game. sure i this one's a legacy though so i guess you kind of yeah. got to give it to them um one of the other cool things from this one that makes it different from a lot of these other kinds of games is that it has screen wrapping or at least the first game did mm. so you you fall down through the bottom and now you come out through the top yeah or left to the right of those kinds of things um so it, it makes the arenas a little bit more uh freeform yeah, like and alive you're not getting like yeah that. you're not getting caught into corners as as often um i think just from looking at the trailer if there is something new here i don't think it has a campaign per se but it looks hmm. like it does have like some comic book style uh scenes that that you can that it tells somewhat of a story through those um, so that's kind of cool if you're looking for a little something more out of Samurai Gun than just the the uh, multiplayer combat stuff. Um, but yeah, like th- this game seems super balanced, uh, at least the first game did, from the way that you had your clashes and the way you only had uh, a couple of bullets in your gun so you couldn't rely on just shooting people um, from from range. Uh, it's, it's really rad. I... This would totally be a game I would pick up and play a lot more of if I had that group of friends. Like I could mm. see us playing something like this and Nidhogg mm-hmm. and um, yeah, Towerfall and those kinds of games. And I just don't get the opportunity to play those, but I I think they're all pretty rad. Yep, and this should be coming to uh, the Switch. So yeah, uh, it says to be announced. Still rating uh, rating for the the age rating still pending. So we don't know when it's coming out, but should be coming to the Switch and. If it's like one of those pick up and play and has local co-op or local wireless support, I should say, uh, that'd be a welcome. Cool. What's the next game on your list? Next one I got, uh, I think, is uh, Panzer Paladin, uh, which is uh, another 2D action game. Uh, This one you play in a mech that you can jump out of. So Mm -hmm. I'm trying to remember the uh, game back on the Super Nintendo that did the same thing uh when was what game was that I mean, anyway I, I picked up the sequel too at, Mega Man X I believe no, is the game you're looking Mega for Man X. <laughs> but in, in terms of a game where you have uh, a player character that also can get into a mech mm-hmm. briefly although this kind of flips the situation you're in the mech more often than you're not yeah uh, like a you're... like a Kirby Planet Robobot potentially <laughs> <laughs> kind of yeah uh i'm just gonna quickly look it up but yeah the conceit okay. is you get a uh 
basically you get a mech that you power you play through through pretty much most of the demo and uh, at some point it entices you to get out of the mech and you are like a smaller character kind of like like blaster master with the, the yeah tank that okay you're in sure, sure at sure. the very beginning metal warriors that's what i'm thinking of metal warriors for the I super don't think nintendo i played metal warriors uh, yeah, it's a, that's an interesting uh, game. It's uh, okay. uh, kind of the same exact uh, kind of conceit. You play in a mech, but you can also, your playable character can jump out of it, and you can go through smaller corridors and things like that. In this one, you get like a grappling hook that you have to swing across, and then you can get another mech. There are like weapons that you can pretty much, I think they degrade, or you can throw them. So they give you, you know, like a lot of melee weapons that you can use, uh, like a baseball bat, a giant knife, a sword, a broadsword. It's it's got an axe. It's kind of wacky in some ways, but yeah. uh, it's okay. I don't know if I'm going to be checking this one out. It's kind of just one note a bit, and it, the art it seems style's extreme, a bit flat. Yeah, it seems extremely old school in in many senses of the word. One of one of them being, it's just. It, I mean, it it is. It does seem like a love letter to the NES more, even more than the mm-hmm. Super Nintendo. Maybe just in the yeah, way that the kind of art Mega style Man looks. Style graphics. Yeah, yeah, like it, it's very old school pixel based like that um, in terms of the platforming kind of challenge and more of the, the rigidity of some of that that feels like an NES kind of game. It totally has the Zelda 2 mm-hmm. uh, downward slash. Yep. Um, it's, yeah, like it, it seems cool. I like the way it deals with checkpoints. It kind of, it kind of takes a, like a bit of a Shovel Knight look to it where you mm-hmm. can choose to skip the checkpoints if you want but if you want to uh want to keep the checkpoint you need to uh you need to sacrifice a little bit of something Mm -hmm. and in in this game it's one of your weapons so you're collecting all these weapons and you need to sacrifice one by sticking it into this rock excalibur style that that seems really cool and and like a really nice risk reward system of oh i i don't have that many swords left but I want to make a checkpoint here just in case something goes wrong, so I, I better sacrifice one of them here. Uh, that, that stuff seems really cool. I think if this game was super cheap, like if this was a $5, $8 game, something like that, I'd probably go in on it because I, I think the concept stuff is really cool. But uh, it's, there, there is something where it just it feels old in both the good ways and the bad. And <laughs> yeah. and I I don't know if I could necessarily pull the trigger on something like this. Uh, it reminds me. It actually reminds me a lot of um, a game that came out a handful of years ago, Volgar the Viking. Hmm. That was that was also kind of like an old school challenge. Uh, it's not as it's not as brutal as that. You have a, a much longer health bar, and it, and it seems like there's uh, you can take a few hits in in your mech. Whereas Volgar, it was it was very much you really only get one or two hits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there's something here. I, I it looked really cool. I had no idea what it was, and then I looked at the trailer before we started this. And I went, man, there's something kind of rad about that, it but it cool. also kind of seems yeah. like a pain in the ass. <laughs> it's not really a pain in the ass. It's not ter- It's not super hard or anything like that. Just I don't mm-hmm. know. It's just the level design didn't really grab me. Just felt kind of like same old, same old. Yeah. Uh, climb up a tower t- style kind of thing where the just didn't really grab me a whole hell of a lot but it, you know i'll probably keep my eye out on it if it ever goes on sale when it eventually releases yeah because uh, the platforming itself was fine the combat was fine as well too and yeah so it's interesting I, I think it's more that the gimmicks don't sell me on it as as much as other games that do similar kinds of things like i'm thinking yeah. of a game like the messenger 
where like on one hand that is a relatively generic ninja gaiden ass style game um on the other hand the best storekeepers ever (laughs) yeah on the other hand uh you shift from 8 to 16 bit and it has all these different things going on for it that that make the game uh, something that you kind of just need to see. Whereas I don't know if this game has as much going for it as something like that. Um, but again, there's something kind of cool about it that I really that I really dig and kind of want to give a shot to. Mm. Uh, you had mentioned before that while you were waiting to play, while you, some of your friends were waiting to play Streets of Rage 4, you were playing Kunai, but you did eventually get to play some Streets of Rage, correct? Oh, yeah. Yep. Last day I was able to, the line pretty much had died out, so I was able mm-hmm. to get pretty much immediately get into and play a quick co-op game with a random guy who was dressed up as Proto Man. Oh, good. Uh, it's a great yeah, start. It's a, oh, he was, it was awesome. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I played through, it, it's Streets of Rage. Uh, what else can I say? It just so it I, very I much love... updated. I love Streets of Rage, and I'm one of those weird people that like Streets of Rage 3 better than Streets of Rage 2. Like, 2, mm. two is the one that everyone loves, and I get it, but 3 is the one that mm. I really grew up playing. Um, I, I, like the, I like the kangaroo. I like Xan. <laughs> I, like, uh, I don't like Skate. Skate sucks. But, oh. uh, <laughs> um, so, Streets of Rage 4, it reminds me a lot of 3 in that it's, like, bigger, bigger characters. Yes. Uh, and and definitely like the stages kind of feel more like a Streets of Rage three, but it's weirdly not a two D pixel game. It's uh it, it looks clean. I really very like the clean. art style. It's very clean. I played as uh, Cherry. She's the girl uh, with the guitar, mm-hmm. and yeah, like it's. I mean, you get special moves like in Streets of Rage before. Pretty much like any other two D beat 'em up, you can. Uh, toss your opponents and enemies you can jump on and do a couple of uh, grapple punches and things like that and then toss them into another enemy it's it's pretty much kind of just the same like streets of rage side scroll and beat them up that you've known before that's yeah i can really say it looks nice uh it plays well the music's fine it's not much else i can just say about it it's like i, I think that's fair like it, it's maybe it's maybe a little too um uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It, it's like too uh, true to the kind of game that it is. Yeah, but and, what else do you want? Like, it's got a it's got a dedicated fan base, sort of. Like, you know, it's already got an image to produce. And when you put it Streets of Rage four, kind of just you know, it puts up expectations. I don't know. I still think you can do something interesting. We've had we've had other two mm-hmm. D beat 'em up games. Uh, this generation and last generation, I'm thinking of something like River City Girls that that came out somewhat recently. That does Castle Crashers some cool stuff. Before. Castle Crashers for sure. Our favorite game, Scott Pilgrim versus the World. Absolutely. Um, not my favorite game, but I think it was really cool at the time. Um, <laughs> like there, there are games that I think can do interesting things with these mechanics and have done interesting things with these mechanics. And mm. Streets of Rage Four, even just watching the trailer and now hearing you confirm it for me. Just, like, I, I don't know if there's anything in this game that makes me go, I need to buy this instead of just putting my copy of Streets of Rage 3 into a Sega Genesis again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, yeah, I, I kind of feel the same way. It's, if you're just a really big fan of that game and you want more Streets of Rage 4 and just, there's not that many side-scrolling beat-em-ups nowadays yeah. uh, like there was back, like, 10 years ago, for example. Uh, yeah, I it's just it looks really nice I'll, but I'll also it, I'll if you give if, it that 
but also if you want that kind of game maybe just go get river city girls instead yep yep <laughs> or play castle uh, crashers again like i will tell you what really what really bummed me out which uh, as a purist i'm sure would would be uh, against me but uh, i i don't like having to spend health to do special moves Mm -hmm. and you Mm -hmm. still Mm -hmm. have that mechanic here but you gotta use something to use like then you're just gonna spam the special move i will then put them on a cooldown or something like do something different Mm -hmm. because i i want to see those moves because they're visually very appealing. It's really cool when Cherry like strums on her guitar yep, and makes like a big cool. big ripple effect like that. It's cool when Axel does his giant Shoryuken thing. Uh, those moves are cool, and yet I know if I was playing this game, I'd never want to use them because I don't want to sacrifice health like that. I'd rather the the possibility of me killing this dude with normal moves and getting to keep that health instead of tr- doing that trade. That, that mm. doesn't seem fun to me. And it's sad it's sad that i think if if streets of age 4 had a different system so i could do special moves without penalty uh i would i would probably pick up this game but because they didn't i'm saying (laughs) nah i'll just i'll just go back and play streets of age 3 again and play as rue or or zan and uh fight that steamroller again not not a steamroller (laughs) it wasn't a steamroller it was a um bulldozer bulldozer bulldozer? i think it was a bulldozer I only played Streets of Rage two back in the day. That was my jam. Two is good. Two is the best one. I I but it's, played. It's no Turtles in Time. Let's be honest. Well, okay. What is though? Exactly. I... Turtles in Time is what Turtles in Time is. Turtles in Time is very good. I I think honestly though my favorite Turtles game is is just two. The first arcade game. The first arcade. Yeah. That's yeah. A very that solid that one. That one feels better to me. Um, although I like I like the arcade version way more than the NES version. The NES version is just a little too, little too I, toned down. I mean, they got that whole game on there and some bonus levels. Like sure, yes, but it looks like garbage compared to the the genuine. Chase, article. do you want to remember the first Turtles game for the NES we had to go through? Oh, I you don't mm. need to remind me. I played a lot of that game. Same. And same. I, I, I rather I wasted a lot of my time playing that game. But uh, I can get through yeah. the swimming level nowadays, but hey, sure. Uh, the NES uh, was a hell of a time. Uh, speak, old... yeah. Speaking of old games, uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Zombie Army Trilogy, uh, a, a game series I didn't know about until earlier this month, really, uh, or, or later last month, I guess. Um, these are three Zombie Army games coming to Switch, and I only know about this because the fourth game just came out or is coming out for for not switch consoles no um the either this month or last month i think it came out last month i think so zombie army four whatever um so if you like zombie army or like the thought of zombie army but don't want to buy the new shiny one you can get three of the old games for switch i guess why why would anyone do this matt I, I don't know i just saw it being demoed there and the switch was open and it's like i gotta play some switch games for sure. sure and it was in the the handheld portable mode uh for this station they were pretty much showcasing the vr zombie army that's coming out soon mm. or at some point uh but yeah i knew about these games from back working at gamestop we'd have it in you know some people just come in it's pretty much just sniper elite uh with zombies yeah it is it's made by the sniper elite team right yep Mm -hmm. okay Uh, and it's pretty much like 
the zombie games in Call of Duty, like just face yeah. waves of zombies and levels. This though, your third person action game, and you can you know you pretty much like use a you get a sniper rifle right away so it's Mm -hmm. like get headshots and i play it for like five minutes it's okay it runs fine looks okay very dark and grungy no uh uh, accelerometer controls or you know anything of that nature i didn't see any Mm -hmm. options uh i wanted to ask but everybody was packing up for like it was like thursday everyone was packing up about ready to go home at six o'clock so i was just like i'll just try this out and yep it's it's a first-person shooter, third-person action game that you are taking out zombies as they yeah, come in waves. Yeah, literal Nazi zombies. Uh, yep. The the trailer is saying kill Hitler and Hitler's zombie a zombie, Hitler. and yeah, it's well, yeah, it's it's that kind of thing. Uh, so you mentioned the Call of Duty mode. Would you say it's more? It's closer to that, like a horde mode style, or is it more like a Left for Dead where you're going through a level? With uh, people? you are going through a level. Okay. I you're not going through with people. <laughs> I think it's Oh, it it doesn't have co-op? The fourth one does. Co- uh the fourth one does. I don't know if the trilogy does. It might have co-op. Okay. I didn't really ask or check it out. Just, you know, <laughs> it it was just there and I just I, I understand. It. I completely understand. Uh, but yeah, I mean there might be co-op and yeah, this kind of game would definitely work with co-op cuz you know that kind of game. It's not as involved as Left 4 Dead, if I'll say that. Yeah. Like there's not like, you know, co-op points of interest that you need to use your buddies to mitigate and get through a level or there's not like active kind of events that happen in a level from what i've learned about this game it's kind of like it was always like sniper elite one of those mid-tier budget games not quite triple a not quite very bottom of the bin uh shareware kind of game it's just somewhere nestled in between that right it's those b games that we just never seem to get anymore either it's indies or it's triple a's and i i honestly really like sniper elite 4 i think that game Mm. is super super fun um so last question and i know you you just don't have a whole lot to say about zombie army trilogy which is totally fair um (laughs) With this being a trilogy, I imagine it's three games. Is it is it one game where they kind of just put all three of them in there? Or do mm. you choose based on, like, I want to play Zombie Army 1 or I want to play Zombie Army 3 now? There wasn't any option to choose Okay, uh, from the demo I got to play. Do, so. you, do you think you were playing Zombie Army 3? I think so. I don't know. Okay. I honestly don't know, despite... Because <laughs> they never, like, this was the only retail game they had at GameStop was Zombie Army Trilogy. So, mm. like... And I never really checked it out. It just sold it. So, like, people would come in and it's like, this game sucks. Or is this, like, Sniper Elite? It was zombies? Okay, yeah, I'll check it out. All right. Huh, cool. Interesting. Enjoy. Yeah, Very it's just, you know, just a well, weird, weird... Uh, so the real answer is the real answer is I could look this up myself and I'm not going to because <laughs> I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. But, but for it all you nice on switch. Uh, that's like good. I said, didn't seem to have any of the gyro controls, which I kind of wish it had just for that little fine tuning to sure. augment the, uh, the analog controls for when you're shooting in uh, like, you know, the dual analog stick mode for first person shooters. Uh, but I've, I've gotten used to that on like the switch and uh, the wii u had a few games that did that too and just it feels nice when you can just like just tilting the controller just a little bit just to mm-hmm. fine tune to line up a perfect shot instead of like oh you gotta just 
flick this analog stick just a little bit. Nope, that's too much. Nope, that's too much shit. Ah, fuck. Yeah, I, uh, I yeah. feel you. As a, as a Destiny player, I feel you on that one for sure. <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's end our talk about games with mm-hmm. one final one here. Uh, Neon City Riders. What, what what's uh what's this about here Matt is this one is this one good is this one uh, it's yeah. okay it's yeah. okay it's a top okay. down uh very uh neon colored mm-hmm. from my guess you play like a Casey Jones wannabe uh guy in a Jason hockey mask that okay. with a with a mullet and yeah just it's they set you up in a small like uh kind of training area where you get your sort of set of skills uh and yeah it's it's pretty much just kind of straightforward just a top-down beat-em-up kind of style game is, uh, is this a roguelike or is it level based or what are, what are we talking about here well the demo just had like i said just like kind of a training area so it wasn't really okay. level based uh like to get through it, you go through certain areas. Uh, one, you get like a, a dash move. Another, you get like a force field that lets you go through certain areas without dying. And another lets you uh, reflect projectiles back. And then the final one is kind of like uh, the Eye of Truth and like Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time and Mojo's Mask. lets you see things that are, you know, one see with the common eye. So that le- like opens up pathways that you can go over pits and things like that they would normally fall down if you didn't have that item but yeah like the combat was satisfying in a way like the enemies telegraph their moves like there's like a sort of like a highlighted trail of where they're going to attack and how far it's going to attack that you can easily dodge and just like pretty straightforward kind of action game that i was kind of intrigued but it's coming out very soon like kind of like next week uh, march 12th is the release date uh very synth wavy kind of grungy soundtrack as well too so again another pixel arted very throwback uh 80s vibe kind of game that is getting kind of rote at this point especially for this podcast (laughs) Uh, and it is coming to switch yes there's uh i'm looking on the eShop page right now you can buy it right now for sale it's going to be 20 bucks but you can get for 18 now for the Mm pre-order time uh looks interesting and plays pretty well i'll I'll give it that okay well good to hear uh, so that was the game, the all the games that you played, which I mm-hmm. am stunned at how many games you have played. I, I remember going to PAX uh, myself, and I would come out of it like with five games or so that I might have tried. And damn, Oof. man, you you had a hell of a list here, and and a lot I of don't, really I cool myself stuff. This year, uh, Arnie. Like, so I know you like Carrion. Uh, that that's definitely one of your standouts. Anything mm-hmm. else stand out to you here? Anything that you that you know after playing is like, oh, this is a must buy for me. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. Welcome to Elk. I'm definitely okay. going to be checking out, even though it's definitely a very seems like a downer kind of a game. But yeah, I'm, we'll get you some therapy afterward. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, I was very intrigued. I don't know if that's going to come to Switch, but uh, I will definitely check it out in some capacity when it's a, a way I can play it. Uh, definitely going to uh, check out uh, Greg Memories of Azure uh, when that comes out to Switch later this year. Uh, definitely will check out uh like you said carry on but colt canyon uh mm-hmm. had me kind of intrigued uh and seemed kind of fun for that kind of run-based game and uh yeah that, that's pretty much it mystery broadcast i think i'll definitely check out too yeah uh, just because i like that kind of style of platformer air puzzle platformer kind of style and, well, i know uh, i'll definitely be picking up star renegades 
Yeah, I think I might check that out too because I yeah. that one seems to be I just want to sit down because I didn't get a good impression of it even at the showroom floor. It, I chalk that up just because it's like the showroom floor. You don't have that yeah. kind of immersion. You got distractions around you. You have a time limit. You want to check out as much as you can. But a JRPG like this, you just don't. Right. It, it wants it, it. it wants your time, and and it, you're right. It's just not the right setting for it, but. Uh, still looks very cool, and even just watching some trailers, I'm I'm pretty excited about what it's what it's got going on. Uh, you also attended some panels. Uh, I, I know it's it's a little tougher to talk about panels because people can't watch them or enjoy them the same way that you did. But uh, any anything from the panels that you saw that you thought was really cool, or maybe you learned something, or, yeah. or you just kind of want to talk about. I'll, I'll just give the the rundown of some of these, like the the gearbox one. They had it yeah. again. I kind of checked it out because my brother in law John wanted Ooh, me boy. to see what the yeah. free thing was. How uh, how are people feeling about gearbox these days? I think they're they're kind of fine. Like the energy was still kind of high because it was mostly fans. Uh, the free stuff they gave out this year was kind of crap, uh, but that's just the way it is. Was it it's was pretty- it for Borderlands Three? Yeah, so it was just, okay. like, different outfits, uh, specialized gear, which is mm. okay. I was kind of hoping for, like, I know this is kind of greedy, but I was hoping for Risk of Rain 1 and 2 on the Switch, but <laughs> not, not yeah. going to happen this year. Well, uh, I'll tell you that I don't really want to go back in and play any more uh, Borderlands 3, so anything uh, they would give me for Borderlands 3, probably not, not good enough. <laughs> they did showcase the uh, new expansion, which is going to be... I'm trying to remember the name of the characters. Uh, Hammerlock. Yeah. And who's the southern guy uh, that is uh, uh, looking for a husband? Uh, southern. Jacob? Jacoby? I forget. Right. Uh, anyway, they're getting married. Right. And that's okay. the, whole, the, whole, the whole expansion is uh, them, their wedding, and... Uh, it's something something tentacles like the like these uh, horrors from a like a Lovecraftian horror comes and invades their wedding, so All it's right. a, it, it's their first big update uh, that they're gonna have for their first DLC package is gonna be a full campaign uh, that you know adds more loot, adds mm-hmm. more quests and things like that. Looks very purple, which is yeah. kind of cool. Uh, uh, so this is like the first true expansion i know they've had yes. events and things like they had a halloween event uh where you could get some new guns and and have i think there were like some some things that you could do during that event but this is the yeah. first like huge real substantial piece of of dlc yeah this is the first substantial like big campaign edition dlc uh gauge is going to be in that from borderlands 2 the okay. necromancer yeah uh, they, like did a, they did a live line reading too uh on the stage with sure. uh, some of the voice actors and characters and what? uh randy pitchford as well too i was about to ask was randy there did, yes did you get did to a, see some magic we they had a magic trick uh basically it was Damn. a lot of pimping of uh merch and they had a new shirt to pimp so randy wanted to uh use it for a magic trick and they threw a beach ball out into the audience picked a random person who said uh, randy asked have we ever met before and the guy was like yeah we met once he's like oh (laughs) so then they like the guy was like hey so it's the shirt of like one of these characters they show a bunch of characters on the screen like mordecai gage and everything and the guy's like uh, randy asked him like hey pick a character and don't say it out loud so he's like, okay, I picked one. He's like, okay, forget that character. Pick another one. Okay. Okay, now do it again. 
and he's like okay i picked a character and it's like what's that character and he's like mordecai so he's like okay here's the new shirt and it's like it's baby mordecai but it's like a horrified like little baby with a, a borderlands art style baby face thing and he's like no that's more baby mordecai and he flips it over and it's the mordecai you know uh portrait and everything's like and see it's like and it says baby mordecai on it and it's like okay that was probably i have no idea how they did that but somehow they did that uh who else uh Eli Roth uh, came in attendance, who's going to be directing the Borderlands movie, along with uh, Craig Mazin, who's doing the script. Chernobyl, not just Hangover 2 and 3 script writing, but Rocket Man, the 1997 Harlan Williams classic. Uh Uh, but yes, uh, they talked a little bit of that, and uh, Eli Roth made a little guest appearance. It was it was all right. Just you know, it kind of just. just a catch-up kind of press conference yeah can we talk about anything that's not gearbox please yes yes we can although i did (laughs) i I did see randy pitchford outside the convention center one night Uh just talking to people and it's just like oh shit it's randy pitchford holy crap uh i went to a super mario brothers two and three speed run uh, oh that's cool but it did not start on time because they couldn't get the projection to work. <laughs> so it took about uh, 40 minutes to The get idea going. of a speed run being late is hilarious. It is. But the guy got through, well, he died at the very end of Mario 2, uh, but got to see some, like, you know. What a, what a scrub. I know. Well, which Mario, which Mario 2? Very important question. Super Mario 2. The uh, USA. Thank Mario you. Mario 2. Okay. Doki Doki Panic. If we want yes, to be. yes. The true Super Mario Brothers 2. Uh, so he died in the last level. And he had like about 13 minutes left, which was enough time to do three. So the me included, the entire audience convinced him to just jump into three. And, you know, Mario Brothers 3 is an interesting speed run. But the very end, it gets kind of just... How, how many hands? How many, how many hands? hands? How many hands, Matt? Uh, two, I think. Two, I think, is not bad. I think that's not relatively terrible, average. But he really wanted just one. Like, well, he even sure. said, like... Let's see what the RNG gods say. say ding, ding, ding. And like he got through three and then almost got through <laughs> the last one. And then, yeah. For, for those who aren't aware, in the, in the last yeah. world of Super Mario Brothers 3, uh, there's, I think it's five, five sections, yes. five squares that Mario has to pass. And each one of them has a random chance of um, a hand coming out and pulling Mario into a level. Uh, a it's level that's a quick, quick level. Yeah, they're, they're really easy and quick. But if you're a speedrunner, they still cost you precious time. So because mm-hmm. there's a random chance, even a fantastic run. The bane of every speedrunner. Speed exactly. Like, even a fantastic run up to that point can just be destroyed by however many hands you get. So that's, mm-hmm. that's always the interesting thing to ask about. Cool. Well, that's, that's good. All right. Uh, what else did you see at the show? Uh, let's see. Very quickly, I went to one of the Easy Bake Challenge uh, bake-offs that has happened in the past. It's basically some contestants in a kind of uh, like Iron Chef kind of uh, situation, but they use Easy Bake ovens. This is a video game thing? <laughs> no, it's more <laughs> just a very silly thing. Yeah. Uh, it just it was just kind of hilarious just a late night uh, I think this was like Thursday night right after the speed run uh, I just decided like ah some shit I'll just uh, go check this out sure and yeah instead of using like the actual packets which are hard to find now they use those uh, like microwavable Betty Crocker uh, kind of things okay uh, and basically they're just given like oh uh, halfway through they would play a video game like uh, say example Gang Beasts 
and uh, the winner would get to choose what their decorations would be out of a list of things. So, uh, I'm trying okay. to remember what it was. Uh, was one like a minion or something like that, or, Son- or Mario Sonic? I forget, but it it was just just silly, silly, silly stuff. Hmm. Um, one of the big video game related things I went to was the Adult Swim's game panel. Uh, which okay. talked a lot about uh, the upcoming Samurai Jack video game that's supposed to come out this year. But the uh, notable thing was uh, Genny Tarakovsky, the creator of Samurai Jack, director of things like that, and Primal, Star Wars The Clone Wars, back when mm-hmm. the first one. Uh, Dexter's Lab, Powerpuff yep, Girls. Dexter's Lab, uh, Symbiote Titan, my favorite, uh, out on Netflix now. Uh, and uh, <laughs> yeah, just, uh, yeah, it was pretty much just a, like a, talking about not only that game but uh, samurai jack in general they showed a little trailer they have a lot of the voice actors like phil lamar voice of samurai jack is back uh john dimaggio who does the scotsman he was back that got a lot of cheers uh tara strong who plays aki that is also back as a character and this is trying to kind of uh pretty much is kind of like uh, you know kingdom hearts chain of memories unfortunately so it's kind of like that where it's taking that's like the original story but playing it again so it's like jack goes to face a coup but a coup gives him like one last blast that has to send him through okay. the past again uh and it's interesting this game is going to be like a 3d action platformer ga- kind of game instead of a 2d action platformer game and uh, they huh. did mention the ps2 game that came out like 15 years ago back in the day uh how they were kind of disappointed how that turned out and they wanted something more that was in line with the show and what they they've shown off looks very much like it's like jack as a 3d model uh which looks kind of interesting and looks kind of right it'll be interesting to see how this game plays out and everything because it looks like they're trying to put a lot of heart into it and make it something that is like hey you want to play the entire samurai jack storyline yeah, we're gonna give it to you instead of like what we showed in the past, which was like a snippet of like random stuff that didn't really connect to the show and didn't really have that same kind of energy. They're definitely trying to put a lot of thought into this and continue on uh, Samurai Jack's legacy because it's such a fan and cult favorite now. Totally, at this time absolutely one of the best shows. Uh, even even like the final season, I enjoyed a lot. Like the quieter moments they had in that show. And when you say final season, do you mean the new one that they brought yes. out just recently or somewhat yes. recently? Like four years ago, yeah. Yeah, I, I still haven't seen that season. Uh, I it's all right. I, I feel it. I feel like I haven't. I watched a lot of Samurai Jack back in the day, but I don't know if I've seen all of it. So mm. I wanted to go just say, fuck it, I'll watch it from the very beginning to, to know that I'll have watched everything before I start the, the new final season. And then I just, uh, like, uh, at one point stalled out and haven't gotten through. And it's something that I will I will still do at some point. But, uh, but yeah, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I have not watched all of Samurai Jack now. Yeah, I, I'd say uh, at this point, uh, watch the first five episodes of Primal and oh uh, i've watched all of primal primal rules that is uh, it's incredible like uh, that is uh, just as a small tangent that is almost fucking pure cinema like it is when do we get dialogue less i want a primal game um you have far cry primal uh not the same i know i would rather play i would rather play primal rage (laughs) (laughs) you want you want to ride a t-rex not a mammoth exactly Uh, but yeah, to, to watch Primal. It it's probably like from what it looks like halfway through its season. Like the later half is going to premiere later this year. But ooh, that is a very mature but 
Uh, <laughs> even like all the brutality in that show is just a little different from so the Powerpuff Girls. <laughs> Very different from the Powerpuff Girls. Uh, yeah, and uh, but like uh, he he mentioned like like Dexter's Laboratory, they brought us a lot of the same mentality into Samurai Jack with that uh, from what they you know doing creating that show because there is a lot of action in Dexter's Laboratory and there are episodes where there's no dialogue. Uh, yeah, like that, that whole episode where Dexter has needs a new light bulb and his mom's trying to bring him a new uh, light bulb yeah uh, or, yeah, or yeah. even like very limited stuff like the omelet mm-hmm. du fromage or the uh the mandark the, that was the one where he just laughs throughout yep. um, <laughs> yeah very very classic classic episodes dexter's lab yep. rules i love dexter's lab yep cool. if there's anybody that's gonna direct a metroid movie i want it to be Gendy tarotovsky because he can uh, he understands the importance of silence and definitely tone definitely and how to hold it so no uh even, even extend it so no word of a of a C Lab game or a, <laughs> I, I did see that you picked up a, a new Adult Swim yes. style game. <laughs> I'll briefly go into that. So a small side story. I was uh, Friday. I'd come home Thursday night because the hotel we had rented was going to be open Friday. So I went home uh, Friday morning. I uh, was on my way to show and I needed to get a couple of things because I dressed up as Spider Punk again. And I just wanted to get some super glue and some random other items. So I went to. Mm-hmm. Uh, a general store drugstore down the road that was having a lot of things on clearance and i remember they had a section of wii games <laughs> for so fucking long and uh in this section they had like cooking mama like kawasaki jet ski whatever bullshit yeah. shovelware games but in there was always this copy of harvey birdman attorney at law for the wii and it was always like 20 bucks i think at one time it was like 30 bucks a long time ago it's been sitting on the shelf for almost a decade (laughs) and this store finally is getting remodeled and everything is on clearance couldn't find what i was looking for that day but i decided to like oh let me take a peek and see if they put any of these wii games on clearance and lo and behold this game is like for like less than six bucks so god with six in tax one of those games that i have always been like looking at at this store is like 20 bucks ah that's too much maybe another day and then finally just bit the bullet and got like a good deal best deal i got all weekend that's that's fantastic i i don't know anything about that game it's almost assuredly garbage but i do love that show uh it's so good (laughs) not to scale (laughs) all right uh outside of adult swim any other good panel stuff that you want to mention before we uh before we wrap this thing up yeah a couple more i'll i'll uh, jump into this one because it was more of like a card game i went to the smack talk showdown presents extreme cardboard wrestling 2 i like the sound of it what do we got uh so it's basically uh like a there was no uh to say there's no giant bomb this year at right. pax and there was no paxamania or royal rumble so i was a little bummed uh, that tradition kind of being broken yeah uh Rich Gallup won the Royal Rumble la- the Rumble last year and still waiting on the results of what that's going to be. So instead, <laughs> to get my wrestling fix, I went to this uh, sort of uh, presentation. Dave Lang was in attendance as well as Good. Some, Good. Uh, members, like a member of uh, Kaiju Big Battle, Ian, uh, which I, I kind of went to see because he was in that. Uh, but also uh, the, uh, oh, uh, who was it? Uh, I'm just got to, I got to quickly look up because I saved... Uh, a picture uh but basically uh i'll I'll just run down what the uh game was about it's basically you play as hype man 
as like before a wrestling event instead of like the actual wrestling it's about like, oh okay uh, trying to talk shit to your opponent uh so you're given you pick a card and you're giving a character name like the ultimate dump truck sure uh, for example and you have to play that character and it's like uh for example you're given a scenario against your opponent the uh the uh uh, I'm trying to think of another one because I'm terrible. I, I, wa- I watch the rules. I, I watch them talk about the rules. I can take over that part for just the card yeah. game. Yeah, so uh, so for the card game in general that you can go out and buy right now, it was kickstarted and, and you can order it. It's called Smack Talk Showdown. Uh, yeah. You get you're each wrestlers in, in the regular card game, and you pick two cards that will tell you your name. So like one will have like more of an adjective to it, like macho or little or something like that. And little dump truck one, example yeah yeah so then the next one will be like a an object like dump truck or cowboy or something like that uh then you get a segment card and the segment has a scenario for you like it's a mall opening and you're you need to it just helps you to like a say retirement like, oh, a retirement match the loser has to retire sure like it, it just gives you that was one scenario that like that uh and then you also get smack cards which I think is where the game starts to maybe bog itself down in my in my opinion. A little bit, but because it's, it's more of a, like for improvisers. Like this is definitely if you're into totally uh, improvised comedy, this is definitely for your style. So like uh, it, it like every like minute or so or like thirty seconds, uh, one of the MCs, the per- people that kind of run the uh, game, will bring out a card saying like you now have to announce as a weatherman, right. or you now have to. Uh, confess your love to your opponent and roll with that as you are talking. So it's kind of more involved than like, say your standard board game or card game like that. You have to really like build into the personality and go with the flow. Yeah. Kind of, kind of deal. It's, it's neat. Uh, I I think part the problem with the, the smack cards is that they, they just, they can be played whenever. And usually when a person is in their promo like even during the example that they're showing on their kickstarter be like this is how the game works the person who's doing their promo right now uh somebody plays a smack card on them and they have to kind of stop or like stutter what they're talking about so they can also read the card to see what the thing is that's going to uh change the way they they talk about something so like this guy's uh was talking about like he was a wrestling nurse or whatever and and he's having to talk about that kind of stuff and then they just throw down a card that says oh by the way now you need to speak like a cowboy and now this wrestling nurse is also speaking in a southern drawl and it just kind of i don't know i felt like it kind of bogged the game down a little bit um but it was you know at least i like the concept of it as as a person who likes wrestling as a person who uh, also likes writing and talking uh, as part of my job. I like the idea of that, uh, but then you just kind of get to a point where I, I don't know. It kind of I just think it bogs the game down a little bit. Uh, so yeah, like for like the interrupting part, it's kind of like you just gotta go with the flow kind of thing. It's they kind of timed it to when if you have a good MC who's you know being the announcer and everything can time it to like the exact pause when someone was going. So there were a lot of funny moments yeah it, it all depends on the type of person uh that is playing so then it was also audience participation kind of like cards against humanity the person gets to choose oh you had the better performance or you made me laugh more totally uh, and the overall winner was uh frisco flame the uh the wrestler upstate new york uh i don't remember him from like uh, past uh paximania kind of stuff uh lgbtq uh open kind of guy uh very entertaining 
Uh, but he won the belt and cool. uh, will return for the championship. It seems fun. Again, like I feel like this would be something I might play. I might modify the rules just a touch, uh, but mm-hmm. uh, it, it would be something I would play with a group of friends if I only had that group of friends that I was regularly doing game night stuff with. Um, yeah, it's it's yeah. kind of like a free form game, uh, yeah. very loose, and you can make up the rules as you go too. So sure, sure, I, I do think it is cool that uh, you have. So I, actually, because this wasn't shown in in the examples that I saw, so you have your two your two players for each segment uh, who are the wrestlers, and then there's that third person who's uh, kind of that producer role that you talked about that's that's throwing down the smack cards or uh, like acting somewhat as a judge, but but like you mm-hmm. said, the audience was more was more the judge for who gets the segment card but do they just do is it just like one one player does his promo and then the other player responds to that mm-hmm. yeah and okay. there's a time limit you got like one minute one minute okay. 30 seconds or whatever and you just you be the hype man like you know like a classic wwf uh, promos back in the day with like hogan versus randy Ma, macho man randy savage kind sure. of thing cream of the crop and all that that fun stuff (laughs) definitely you gotta you gotta Uh, always mix in cream cream. of the crop the cream ultimate ultimate warrior in his best times sure that kind Uh, of stuff it's a a very slim time but yes Uh, and, and just very quickly, the last two kind of panels I went to, I checked out uh, Saturday and uh, Friday night, I checked out the uh, documentary Not For Resale, a video game store documentary. I saw a trailer uh, for that. I, mm-hmm. I would like to see this. Did you actually, was it actually showing the film yes. or was mm-hmm. it just, okay. Was... It was the, the whole film and then a quick Q&A afterwards with the director and one of the, uh, a couple of people that were producing and helped and uh, were the subject of the game. How long is uh, the film? Of, uh, like an hour and a half uh, okay. ish kind of uh, deal. Uh, the laptop died out uh, like three quarters of the way through, so they mm. had to quickly get a, a cable. It's never everything anything <laughs> goes smooth the packs, but that's just the way it is. Uh, this actually played at the Boston Film Festival last year. Uh, I wanted to check it out, but didn't get a chance to. And uh, but, but pretty much it's uh, just a look at like secondhand used game stores that are not GameStop and things like that. Though they do talk a little bit about their market cap and things like that. And uh, kind of goes into the uh, dedicated following uh, retro gaming has or used gaming has, how stores are doing. They also go to the uh, video game or uh, museum that uh, Frank Cipaldi has been yeah. uh, doing. Uh, Frank Cipaldi also is uh, in the documentary a lot as well, too, as a sure. subject. Uh, but yeah, it's a kind of just one of those kind of light, uh, gets a little drawn out in the middle kind of uh, documentary and kind of dry but still there's some interesting characters they show uh one of the uh focuses on the movie is this uh owner of a store called game zone in salem massachusetts uh that's kind of like the catalyst for this whole movie and uh, he's quite the character and apparently he was at the premiere at the brattle theater when this uh, movie was shown last year at the film festival and uh like he he got like a little blustered because people like really enjoyed his role in the movie Hmm. uh he's quite the character and was uh very interesting in the first you know quarter of the film and then they go to other parts like of the united states that have used game stores and how they're doing and how it means to them and what like uh kind of like the preservation of games as well too uh, so all in all, it was an interesting documentary, a little dry, but I kind of like these kind of small, uh, lo- to me, local, because the the focus was a, a bit on Salem. Right. Uh, kind of remind me there was a 
Uh, not that anybody else would know about the store Market Basket, but there was a documentary a couple of years ago about the strike about the workers at Market Basket because the ownership was kind of in, in shambles about outing one of the uh, owners that a lot of the workers liked uh, from the family that owned this chain of grocery stores. Uh, and that was a very localized kind of documentary. This feels kind of like the same thing, but it opens up a lot to the greater United States and the scene uh, with uh, retro video games in general. Sure. Interesting. How do you how do you feel about video game documentaries these days? Because it seems mm. like there's a lot of them uh, ever since ever since King of Kong came out. I, and and that was a while movie. ago. Uh, yeah, video game the movie or indie game the yep. movie. Sorry. Uh, yeah, like there's there's been kind of this. Uh, I wouldn't say gold. The double rush. fine documentary, which is also really good. Sure, uh, sure. About their uh, time developing. Uh, what was that one? Uh, uh, I mean the the double fine adventure thing, which turned into yes. um, wait, which turned into oh my god, why don't I? <laughs> why don't I know the, the name Elijah of it? Wood. Uh, <laughs> Elijah Wood, Jack Black was in it for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you keep talking. I'm gonna I'm gonna figure it out. But um, yep. but yeah, tell me more about like how you feel generally about these uh, video game indie movie or video game documentaries because I feel so like this one, maybe we're hitting a little bit of a saturation point on some of that stuff. I, I don't think so because there hasn't been that many recently, and this one felt more instead of like say King of Kong and indie game the movie mm-hmm. had a bit more of a through line with some of their characters. Especially Especially like Steve Weeby and uh, 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 who's the uh, <laughs> Billy Mitchell. Yeah. Uh, fuck Billy Mitchell. Broken Age uh, was the double fine game, by the way. Broken Age. Yes. Yeah, thank yeah. you. Uh, that one. Yeah. That's more of like a, you know, it's just straight through. This is the development process and kind of the hangups we went on along the way. Same with indie game the movie. There is like a very through line with Phil Fish and the troubles he went through to get Fez out. Right. And, you know, the, the trials and tribulations like Team Meat went to get Super Meat Boy and then the sort of uh 2020 vision of jonathan blow and his uh uh experience getting braid out and all that this doesn't have so much of a like a character and a through line it's very much like just a referential text and even the director said like our original cut was like three hours uh so we did you know we had to cut a lot to get it down to like an hour and a half you know something that was like i said at like halfway through i'm just going like okay this is kind of like just hitting on the same notes that i've heard before yeah once they get to the the game uh, museum it kind of opens up just a little bit but you know you're waiting kind of waiting to close up so yeah it's a little dry compared to like king kong and indie game the movie because it just doesn't have that sort of central focus of a hero and villain that some documentaries have or that kind of uh focus editing and attention like an errol morris or Werner herzog movie has but still it's like i find it fascinating it's a little time castle what's happening right now with this scene of like old games and used games and how that fits into this sort of uh, capitalistic market that drives a lot on nostalgia and things like that. Totally. Like I, I have, I have no issue with the the topic at hand and it, it probably is a story worth telling. Uh, but I, I think, I guess I just feel uh, some fatigue in my own life that there's so many video game style documentary things going on right now, especially ones that, that would like your money before they give you something. Yes, like um, Kickstarter and Patreon, things like that. Like no totally. clip. And these are this is definitely a very different kind of focus. Like those are more targeted on a game in question or a developer or the history of that. This is more something on a subject that is not talked a lot about. Totally. And other than like if you're visiting a game, a bunch of other people. 
Uh, for example, uh, the last panel I went, uh, I'll talk about, I went to was the Retronauts, uh, the Media is the Message panel, which kind of ties into this. It was basically just a quick overview of like all the different ways uh, games were presented, the mediums they were sent in, like originally like floppy disks on PC, the big nine inch to the five inch, and then the three and a half inch, and then like game carts, and then discs. And the the focus was mostly for that one was on game carts because they could add so much to different games. Like uh, for example. Uh, Baktai, the sun is your, uh, you know, that yeah. game for the Game Boy Advance, you had to use the sun mm-hmm. to power up your character. Uh, and that was the only way, like, you can't play this game in the dark. Not that you could anyway in, with the original Game Boy Advance, but. <laughs> right. Uh, or, or, like, things like, oh, there's a speaker in this game. Or it was, like, yeah, packed like, with so much like, RAM that, like, the price went up, but, you know, sure. it could do so much. Like, a Kirby's uh, Tilt and Tumble, like, or a Yoshi's Topsy Turvy, exactly. or a Pokemon Pinball, Wario or a Twisted. Wario, Wario Twisted. Yeah, totally. Yep. And, like, they, they you know, because it's a, it's a sort of a design that's kind of lost nowadays, because when games come on disc, you can't add anything to them. It's all based on what the hardware itself can do Right. with that software. With game carts, it's like, oh, well, I can add a new chip that makes this run really like, like the FX chip, for example brings yeah. like polygons to a super nintendo or like you know the added ram can unleash like different sound capabilities that wasn't possible before earlier in a generation but nowadays like everything's on disc or is digital so it's that doesn't really matter anymore sure well i mean you even think about uh, i think about something it's not like gimmick games have gone away or or at least they didn't go away with the the loss of cartridges because I can still think of something like Monster Rancher on yeah. on the PlayStation, where yeah, it's a disc-based game, but because it's a disc-read format, you could put in all sorts of discs, and it would mm-hmm. save new monsters for your for your game. Um, and I, I think downloadable games, probably more than most, uh, probably more than discs, have really killed those kinds of gimmicks uh, from a, from that kind of a perspective. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that was all the panels I went to. Cool, uh, sizable amount. <laughs> looking back on it, yeah, man, you uh, had you had at least uh, you had like an hour and a half worth of things to discuss uh, from this pack. That's awesome. Yeah, uh, just small, quick oddities and things. Uh, Games done quick had a side booth like in one of the uh, like near one of the escalators where they had people doing speed runs and uh, where you could try out speed runs as well too and get tips. Uh, as well as some side panels that they had throughout the entire week uh, weekend. So that was nice to, like, if you never needed a break and just wanted to see something, they always had that up and running. Uh, Red Bull had their arcade uh, thing again outside the convention, which you could get into for free. Uh, this year they had a lot more, like, 90s arcade games, like Street Fighter Two, Cruising World, uh, just really just random, just kind of party-staying kind of stuff for an after party. And uh, a quick side thing, uh, and my brother-in-law John was really into this podcast called Drinks and Daggers, which uh, this uh, it's kind of like a Critical Role, like just a bunch of people sure. playing D and D and doing a podcast about it. Uh, for this one, though, they've been going on for so long that they actually came out with their own board game that he picked up, and it's, it's pretty much. Uh, I'm trying to ask him how to describe it, and uh, yeah, he said it was kind of like pretty much just drinking. Uh, like a cooperative game based on Dungeons and Dragons where having drinks makes you stronger. <laughs> so it's, it's kind of, again, like the uh, uh, smack talk wrestling kind of thing, a bit yeah. more freeform, but more of a board game style sort of thing. And you don't have cool. to drink. 
but you know alcohol drinks but it's, that's kind of it's encouraged it's part it's part of the around. totally it's part of the yeah. part of the appeal well cool but yeah that was that was pax 2020 that's that's awesome man i i really am excited for some of those games that you played um and thanks for giving us the rundown on all those things um and then i also Oof. i also still despite despite all the video game documentaries that i both have to watch like cloth map and and no clip stuff that mm, i have same. not watched yet uh or are waiting for like uh like mother to earth which i backed on indiegogo which is about uh mother well, which is about mother 2 for the nes which eventually became earthbound um and then also uh, the the Tony Hawk one too, pretending I'm a Superman. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like hey, when you when you oh, back man. enough of these things and they take years to make, and you just kind of get fatigued. Going man, when are these things going to come out? Oh, the Area Five ones too. The 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 set yeah, of co-op. documentaries they made co-op. Yes, thank you. Um, like those those documentaries. God, that's been going on for almost ten years, and they still haven't come out with anything, have they? Uh, they. Maybe it was because I was a backer, but they did release some of them. Or oh, good, good yeah, good. they had like a set they were doing. I don't know if they publicly put them out. They, I every every like handful of months, I get another update from them that says, "Yeah, we're still working <laughs> on something, color grading or whatever." And I know, I know, it takes a long time to do these kinds of things. It's yes. it's not easy. There's a lot of regulations and things they have to deal with uh, when it comes to how they can show their their stuff. Uh, before Someone they broke into their their uh, office too. Right. Yeah. You, that fucking sucked. You got a lot of things to deal with with that for sure. It's it's yes, I understand. But also, like fuck, man. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I want to see some of these goddamn things that I paid for. <laughs> uh, I guess it's better than the than getting an eye backpack. Did you read that story that came out no. recently on the Verge? Uh, nope. Just this fucking shyster ass guy who just took a bunch of people's money and basically just had a backpack filled with external batteries that he was more or less selling. Oh, like, wow. oh it's it's like a hub where you can charge all your shit. And it's just mm, he sure like nobody's gotten a single bag. And now the FTC is on his ass. It's it's incredible. It's an incredible wow. story. Um, yeah. Sounds anyway. like fire festival levels. Yeah, and written by someone I uh, went to college with that I oh, sweet. that I briefly talked to. We worked at the student newspaper at the same time, so that was kind of cool. I'll have to check that out. Uh, yeah, it's on the on the Verge. Just look up I Backpack Verge, and I'm sure you'll find it. <laughs> um, anyway, Matt, let's wrap this thing up. Uh, mm-hmm. Why don't you tell me where people on the internet can find more of you talking into a microphone? Uh, well, if you want to find me talking to a microphone, you can find me here at Gamers on the Go. <laughs> Uh, I've occasionally uh, guested on my friend's podcast, Abstract Japan. Uh, my friend Tyler Abstract, who's in Japan right now, teaching English and uh, having a good time. Uh, go find out his show, abstractjapan.com or at Abstract Japan on Twitter. And uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, Jiggy-san, G-I-G-G-Y-S-A-N on Twitter. Very cool. And I know we've got uh, some other ideas planned. Well, planned is maybe a strong word. Planned. We have some other ideas for future Gamers on the Go episodes. Um, some that might involve more than just the two of us, and that's exciting. So we'll we'll try to figure out times to schedule things and make things happen. Um, but yeah, this is definitely not the not not that there was any chance of it, but this is definitely not the last gamers on the co episode that you're going to be a part of. Um, Probably not. As my most prolific guest, you're you're yeah. stuck with me. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, well, volunteering with me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, well, Matt, thanks, thanks for coming on. I'm glad you had a great time at PAX. I would always uh, keep finger- this under two hours as usual. <laughs> yes, fingers crossed that I will be able to come to the next one with you. Or uh, I can then, join you at PAX West sometime because I'm dying to go out to Seattle. Sure. I mean, well, maybe not right now. Not <laughs> I, yet, but I, later. Uh, I've been out there before and it's Yes, great. definitely. Um, if, if I would love to go to PAX Prime again. Do, go, doing that one show, God, that might have been two or three years ago at this point. Um, wow. That was a really good show and I would yeah, like, and to, like to go see more I'm of those. I'm just realizing I've been to every single PAX East. <laughs> I mean, it helps when you live like right years next of to PAX it. Ten East, man, that's a lot. Holy you live, crap. you live right next to it. How could you not go? I know, and <laughs> uh, I've had such a sweet deal these past few years too. So when they to, when they do a PAX, uh, how about this? When they do a PAX St. Louis, I'll go to every one of those. Ha. Nobody wants to come to my shit ass town. <laughs> uh, you got PAX South like just right there, right? Isn't that so close? One, no, it's not close. I know. Any it's not. anything in Texas is like twenty hours away. Uh, two, it's PAX South, and I don't want to disparage the good people at Reed Pop and PAX. One of my friends who actually works there that I talked to and has been on the show before. I've, oh. I'm not meaning to disparage <laughs> your show. I know. But it is the redheaded stepchild of PAX's. Please, I think I think we need to go to PAX Down Under is what we got. Yes, if we're gonna go to PAX, if we're gonna go to a different PAX, it's gonna be Australia, uh, for sure, (laughs) or or uh, Philadelphia. Have you ever gone down to the uh, Uh, the board game one? Yeah, I'm kind of interested some year to check out PAX Unplugged because yeah, yeah, the the I'm always interested in like just different scenes of things and. yeah, the, 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 I've always been intrigued by PAX Unplugged. Now, that's that's actually close to you. That's not like Texas, St. Louis close. It's Philadelphia, Boston close. That's That can't be more than, what, like four hours? Philadelphia? No, yeah. that's like uh, six hours, dude. What? No, it's the... It's you have the, to go through New York City first. It's New England. It's everything's about... Okay. Your about choice the, is to either go through Hartford, New York City, and then go through Jersey to get to Philadelphia, or go through the Poconos, which is an outs... Like, just... Looping all around, like think of it like a like an assault, like a uh, right angle triangle. Yeah, I'm going, yeah. It's, I'm it's, going down the hypotenuse versus like the direct way. I I just doubt that anywhere in the northeast of the country takes longer than like a half hour to get to anywhere. It's all so close. Sure. <laughs> uh, fair enough. All right. Well, as far as this show goes, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at GOTG Podcast. You can write into us at uh, by email if you'd prefer. Um, GOTG Pod, or I should probably know the thing. It's it's. <laughs> Doesn't it doesn't matter? Don't write us in. Don't write an email to me. <laughs> no emails. No emails. Uh, everybody's everybody's moving away from emails. Emails I, is so two thousand and late. It's either GOTG podcast at gmail dot com or gamers on the nobody go cares about you got mail anymore. Yeah, Thanks Tom Hanks and Meg it, Ryan. Yeah, it seriously doesn't matter. Um, go to gamers on the go dot com to to find more of our episodes. We're also on SoundCloud if you'd like to listen to our episodes there. Check our um, lo-fi beats. Yes, the our lo-fi beats that you can study and or chill to. Uh, goodness. All right, let's call it there, Matt. Thanks for coming on. I'll see Anytime. you for the next one.